0: dismissed Let's get our Bibles out to Ephesians chapter 6 How are you out there this morning? Amen. It feels hot up here. Are you trying to melt me back there with all those lights? I'm trying to keep the sermon short. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 14 through 17 this morning. We are continuing in our series of Blueprint for Christian Conduct, talking about the armor that God has given us, the spiritual armor that he has given us to protect us from all the issues of life, amen? How many can say when you get up in the morning and you get out of bed, sometimes as soon as you're up, it's on? Amen. You get by the time you get to your car, you fought a couple battles already. One, why do I live here? It's cold. Two, I'm thankful for a job, but why do I have to go? Driving, commuting, fighting through traffic, prophesying to all the people around you in the Some of you get that. But from the moment you get up, it's on. And it's a battle, and it's a fight, and God has given us armor. He's given us spiritual armor. Certainly, we don't walk around dressed up in these things like we're on a movie set, but we have to wear them spiritually and understand them because each component of the armor is there to serve a purpose, and it works in unison together to protect us. And Ephesians lists this spiritual armor. We've covered a few components of it. We're going to continue today by God's grace, starting in verse 14 of chapter 6. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. So there was a list of all the components of the armor God has given us. Our target verse today is verse 16. We've talked about the belt. We've talked about the breastplate. We talked about the shoes. Now we're on to the shield of faith. Verse 16 gives us everything we need to know about it. It says this, In addition to all, take up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So all of us know what a shield is, right? We've all seen the movies. We've seen Hollywood has done a really good job of keeping us abreast of what the past was like on the field of combat. We've seen the movies like Gladiator and Braveheart and 300 where all of these warriors who went on the field of battle would carry a shield. And we understood how they used it because cinematography, they played it out in front of our eyes. So at some level, we get it today, about a shield. Now, none of us carry them around with us these days. Try and get that on the subway or <laughs> yeah. You know, so we're a little out of sorts with it, but we, we get the analogy, and we understand it, and we, we've seen how it's used, and we understand it's important. But uh, we really need to dig into the spiritual aspects of what, you know, a shield meant to the soldier on the battlefield at the time. Now, we've, we've seen even in our own Easter productions where the soldiers would have their shields and they would, you know, pound and pour Joe Mortarana around and crucifying him. And, you know, we, we, we see how soldiers use those things. But understand, a soldier without a shield was very vulnerable on the battlefield. In a close quarters fight, when you would get packed so close together that, you know, it's what they called a melee. You would need some place of protection in that melee to protect yourself. If you were packed in there with no shield, you were completely vulnerable to every kind of strike that was there. Sword strike, dagger strike, spear strike, arrows. I mean, everything. You needed that shield to give you some kind of protection. And I want you to get that today. A Christian without faith is on the battlefield completely vulnerable with no place to hide. There's no protection for those of us who will not walk in faith. A soldier with a shield was vulnerable to the archer's arrow. You've seen some of these movies where they shoot these volleys of arrows and into the sky, and then all of a sudden, what all the guys are hiding behind their shields as they come down to get a little space of protection there your enemy is firing at you constantly, attacking your heart, your mind, your your faith, just to disarm you or distract you or confuse you. All of us need that shield to hide behind, to offer us some protection from what the enemy is firing at us. A soldier without a shield was not an asset to his fellow soldiers. You see, all these armies that used shields used them as an integral part of their fighting system. They would lock their shields together, forming a shield war or a phalanx or whatever. There was different names for it, but they would use their shields together to protect one another, to push forward in kind of like an armored setting where they were protected from the enemy. If you aren't carrying a shield, you're not an asset to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because sometimes they're so beaten up and battered down, they can't even lift their shield. And you'll need to shield them from the enemy to be strength for one another. So the shield is important. And while we we understand the motif, we, we are not very familiar on how to use one in the sense that we've carried one. We've used one to the point where we've become comfortable with it. And we understand some of what's taught here, but we have to dig deeper so that the shield of faith can truly protect us in the way God wanted it to. On the battlefield of life, there are times you need shelter. Amen. Anybody ever had it? You look like you've all had it. You're not even talking back to me. Anybody ever just been exhausted? Yeah. Got a big yes on exhausted. Yes. Yes exhausted, worn out, battle-weary, battle-fatigued. And and we need a a place of safety, of protection. And that's what the shield of faith offers us. We need to be shielded from all the negativity and and all the wickedness that we're surrounded by and, and all the accusations that are thrown at us every day. We need a place of protection. Now, the Lord is our refuge and our strength. He's our shelter. He draws us under his wings, but he's asked us to carry a shield to learn to protect ourselves, to become spiritually mature. The text says here, in addition to all, or some translations say above all, in addition to all means that you know, the shield is a very important part of the armor system. And it's something, when it says above all, that means it's given high priority to the shield of faith. Now, we know without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you've been here on Wednesday night, I'm preaching through Hebrews. We just dismantled that text. Without Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Faith is what catches God's attention. Faith is what brings God's favor. If we don't have faith, if we're a faithless Christian, we're in deep trouble. Well, I don't know if I believe anymore. I don't know if I believe that part of the Bible. I don't know this and I don't know that. And, and our faith is thin and it wavers and it offers us little protection. But God wanted us to know that above all, we should take up this shield of faith. Why? Because it's very important. You say, well, what's so important about it? It's something that we're gonna use all of the time. Your faith is one of those things that you gotta use it all day long, every day, Amen if you have tools in a toolbox, you know, there's some tools you learn to use all the time. And there's some tools that are specialty tools that you need for special situations, right? Anybody ever have tools, seen pictures? Any Anybody fix anything anymore? Yeah. Diane's raising her hand. Jerry, smack her for me, will you please? I can't. Specialty tool. So, this tool, you know, it, it's, the, it's the proverbial hammer. It's the, it's the screw gun. It's the tool that you reach for all the time. And so that's why it's of the utmost importance. If you don't learn to use it and wield it to the point where you become one with it, you're going to have limitations on the battlefield. Every time we don't have faith for a situation, the enemy has an advantage over us. And so The shield is important. You're going to use it all the time. You know, the breastplate of righteousness is also a defensive thing. It protects our spiritual vitals. We talked about that. It protects our heart. And what what does the enemy want to do? He wants to take our heart away. He wants to take our will to fight away. He wants to discourage us and disappoint us. Anyone feel like we're going through a season of discouragement and disappointment? Anybody feel like there's confusion all around us? Well, that's the enemy. That's not from God. That shield of faith keeps us uh, separated from the atmosphere of confusion, separated from that disappointment, separated from that confusion and, and to the point where we can say, you know, my hope is in the Lord, my joy is in the Lord, and I have peace in the middle of the storm. That's all shield of faith stuff. So we've got to learn to use this spiritual tool. The breastplate, you know, it gives us that layer of protection, but the shield is flexible in the sense that we can bring it to bear to protect us in every, uh, you know, the shield protects the chest, maybe a little bit of the back, but that, you can use that. Soldiers used to put it on their backs when they were attacking so that they had some protection from behind. If they're taking arrows or, or spears from the backside, they can continue to fight forward and that shield would protect their backs. It, it's a flexible thing that is very, very powerful defensive tool for us. We've got to develop our faith today. The first thing the text wants us to know about the shield of faith is this. We have to make a choice to carry one. Now look what it says here, taking up the shield of faith. So in addition to, so he's saying it's, a, it's important, it's a primary tool, it's one you're going to use all the time, taking up the shield of faith. We have to make a choice to take up the shield. Now, you would think, you know, even from what we just heard so far about how the, the shield is, a, is a, a great thing to have in the battlefield, why would anyone not want to carry a shield? And I'll tell you why. Soldiers throughout history, some of them have chosen not to carry shields in battle. And here's the first reason why. Shields are heavy. If if you're carrying something heavy on the battlefield, it's going to limit your mobility. It's going to limit your dexterity. It's going to take a level of strength and skill to use it. It's going to take up one hand to carry it, so you only have one hand to fight with. Do you see this? To take up a shield, you know, it's a choice, but it comes with some... uh, Responsibility. I learn how to use that thing properly. It's going to drain your strength if you're carrying something heavy. You know, most of us are not used to carrying heavy things around. You know, like men. Do you often complain that your wallet? You know, that's wallets a pain. You know, ladies with your purses. I, I was telling first service. My grandmother's purse had everything in it: shark repellent, nuclear survival kit, blow up raft. I mean, everything. Yeah, they're all, everybody's pointing at their spouses. Ladies, I don't know how do you carry those things sometimes. My wife has some purses that look like a hockey bag. I'm like, who, who you got in there? But you know, carrying anything, even if it's small or light, it can become a burden. You're going to carry a shield around. You're going to take a shield on the battlefield. You talk to sh- soldiers in the modern uh, you know, era here. They, they weigh and count the cost of everything they carry onto the battlefield, why? Because it slows you down. And when it slows you down, it makes you an easier target. And so some soldiers would choose not to carry a shield. It's heavy. It's awkward. It drains my energy. It limits my dexterity and my mo- mobility. It requires strength and skill, and it takes a hand away. So some people would choose not to carry one. Here's the problem. If you choose not to carry one, your, your, your fatality rate goes up exponentially. You're not going to survive the battle if it gets hot and thick. And the word flat out tells us we've got to carry one. Oh, Pastor, well, I just pray, or I just, you know, I'm just a giver, but, you know, faith is, no, faith is all of our things, amen? Faith is so important that without it, you can scarcely be a Christian. You, You can't please God without it. You have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him just to come to him, just to be born again. Listen, young people, listen to me. While you sit here under the anointing and hear the word preached week after week, don't just hear it. Get it in your heart and let it develop some faith. Listen, because I'm telling you what, too many people sit here and they just hear, but they don't do and they don't develop faith and they don't have a relationship and then their seat is empty eventually. You say, why are there empty seats here? Because people listened, but they didn't develop faith and they didn't develop relationships. Pastor Mike talked about being a youth pastor and a child ministry leader in this house here when he started. I was a youth pastor here for five years. It breaks my heart to see people who sat and listened, but they didn't develop faith and a relationship. And they're not here today, and the world has sucked them up. And they're so busy, they have no time for God. Taking up the shield of faith is a choice. God told us flat out in this text to do it in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith. So we don't have a choice. We have to take it up, but we need to make that choice ourselves. God doesn't force anything on any of us. If you were forced here today, no, don't raise your hand. Your mama might force you to go to church. Thank you, mama. But you know what? God doesn't force us to do anything. He doesn't force us to carry anything. You don't, you don't want to develop that. You don't want to carry that. You don't. You don't. Well, that's a choice that you've made. It's going to make you vulnerable. It's going to cost you eventually, but it's your choice. So choose, number one, to take up the shield of faith. How do we learn to use the shield of faith? I am so glad you asked this morning. I'm going to tell you all about it. We learn to use the shield of faith by developing the measure of faith we've been given. Did you know all of you have a measure of faith? Are you born again today? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? then you have a measure of faith. And you might say, Pastor, well, I, don't have, I don't have any faith. Yes, you do. When you got born again and God filled you with the Holy Spirit and marked you and wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, he gave you a measure of faith. Listen to Romans 12, 2 and 3. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you will prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable, and perfect. Listen to verse three, Romans 12. For through the grace given to me, I say to you, everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. God has given to each of us who are part of the family of God a measure of faith that corresponds to our calling and our place in the body of Christ. A person, you know, who's a a housekeeper, I mean, a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord doesn't need the same measure of faith that a prophet needs to stand before kings and prophesy. Understand that. We all want to develop our faith and have great faith, but we've each been given a measure of faith. So how do we learn to wield the shield of faith? By developing the measure of faith that we've been given. Now, I want you to see a few things about this. Our faith has been given to us in seed form, and we need to grow it from a seed to let it blossom and produce fruit. Listen to Matthew 17, 19 through 20. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Now, here, let me give you some background on this. The disciples got tangled up with a demon in a person, and they couldn't cast the devil out. And they were trying, and they couldn't. Jesus had to come. He, he rebuked them for having little faith, and he cast the thing out. And then they asked him later, what, what's the deal, Jesus? Why couldn't we, you know, why wouldn't he come out? And he said to them, because of your meager faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. And what an awesome picture Jesus gives here of faith that it's given to us in seed form, a little mustard seed. You know, we're not, you know, maybe privy to seeds and mustard seeds, but the scripture says that little mustard seed, when it comes to bloom, it'll get so big that the birds of the air will land in it, and, you know, birds will just hang out in it. That's a big, that's a big plant, isn't it? I mean, I know it's not an oak tree, but it's, it's big. It's significant. So it's this seed that we get, And the seed is the littlest of all seeds, but it has the potential to get very large. So our faith is given to us in seed form as a measure that's given to every believer. But our faith is like a muscle. It needs to be developed. Anybody have muscles? Anybody allowed back at the gym? What do you do at the gym? Sit at the shake bar and have smoothies? The gym I used to go to used to serve pizza every once in a while. That that was not the gym for me. But what you do at the gym is you're developing your muscles. And each of our muscles, each of our bodies as unique individuals has a unique genetic potential. My body, your body has a a, a, a genetic potential. If you see bodybuilders, they work out, they reach their genetic potential, and then they they hit a wall. And then unless they're going to put substances in their bodies steroids, HGH, all this nonsense that they're jacking in there. They're looking like, you know, these big, I don't want to say what they look like. But it ain't real. But you and I have a genetic potential, and our faith is given to us in seed form. We've got to work it out to reach our genetic potential. When I graduated from, uh, when I met my wife in college, I had a 34-inch waist and 20-inch arms. I think the numbers have reversed now. I don't know what's... But, you know, I was reaching my genetic potential and working out. You know, it, it, maybe, you know, some of us are never going to look like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's, that's a good thing, maybe. I don't know. But you've got to develop your faith to its potential. And I guarantee this. All of us have some growing to do. All of us have some training to do. All of us need to work out our faith, Amen. You, you know, you get older, you begin to lose bone density and muscle mass. You've you got to work out. You've got to just to keep what you've got. Come on, there's, there's, there's principles in here for us. The older we get in the Lord, we, we get comfortable. We get lackadaisical. We get, uh, you know, we, we lose our spiritual testosterone and we want to just hang out. It's quiet this morning. <laughs> but we've got, we got to develop that faith to its potential. It's been given to us in seed form. That's how we learn to wield the shield of faith. Listen to it. Matthew sixteen, uh, Matthew 17, 19 through 20 says. He, he's talking about the they couldn't cast him out. He says it's because of your little faith. In Romans, we saw that he talked about everyone's allotted a measure of faith. But that Romans 12 scripture there, verse 3 is very important. It shows us what stifles the growth of our faith. Romans 12, 3, it says... For through the grace given to you, I say to everyone, so this is for all of us, listen, everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. Developing the faith we've been given in seed form requires us to work it out and grow it, but it also requires us to deal with our egos. Our egos will fill us with pride. And you cannot be filled with pride and faith at the same time. They will cancel each other out. It doesn't work that way. A proud person full of pride cannot be full of faith. Why? Because their ego hasn't been checked. That's why the text is saying this here. You know, not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And it's right in here with the the allotted measure of faith that we've been given. Dealing with the ego means putting pride in its place. Pride will kill faith. Well, I'm just a proud person. You know, I come from a proud uh, heritage, and I'm a proud this, and I'm a proud that. Well, you can have pride, but you can't have faith at the same time. That ego needs to be humbled. There's a humility that's required for us to carry the shield of faith. Why? Because pride says, I don't need no shield. I can withstand the attack of the enemy. Pride says, I don't need no shield. I'm impervious to temptation and sin. I I don't need a shield. I can protect myself. Come on. I'm preaching this morning. Don't fall asleep on me. Pride kills faith, and our ego that's unchecked will produce pride. Pride says, I can do it all myself. I can figure it out, out myself. I can make it all happen by myself. Did you notice the common thread in there? Self, self, self. Self doesn't leave room for faith, amen? I can't do it myself. I can't figure it out all myself. I can't make it happen by myself. I can't address my own sin myself. I need Jesus, and so do you. Our cockiness makes us vulnerable to our enemies. There was a heavyweight boxer named James Tillis. They called him James Quick Tillis. He was a cowboy from Oklahoma, a big fast, heavyweight. His fight camp was in Chicago. So he recalls the first day he moved to the Windy City. He arrived on a plane from Tulsa. He got off the plane and got on a bus with just two cardboard suitcases underneath his arms. Some of you remember those cardboard suitcases. He went to downtown Chicago and he stood in front of the Sears Tower. It was a massive building, bigger than any this cowboy had ever seen before. He put his suitcases down He looked up at the tower and he thought to himself, I'm going to conquer Chicago. And when he looked down, his suitcases were gone. (laughs) Welcome to the big city, cowboy. You've been robbed. They say that some people are such good thieves they could steal the radio and leave the music behind. (laughs) They could rob the hubcaps off your car while it's still moving come on. This guy was cocky. He was proud. He was sizing up the city. He was thinking he's going to conquer it. And in his cockiness, and his pride, the enemy right under his nose ripped him off. Some of us, our pride has allowed the enemy to rip us off. He stole stolen joy. He's stolen promotion. He's stolen happy. He's stolen all the good things God is wanting to give us. And God's saying, humble yourself, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. I'll lift you up. I'll teach you to wield the shield of faith. I'll teach you it's me and not you that sustains you, that protects you, that keeps you safe. Pride allows us to be vulnerable and allows the enemy to steal from us. But humility allows us to wield a shield of faith that offers us protection in any situation. By going to the Lord and asking him to teach us to use the shield of faith, the second thing we're gonna understand is this, we're going to have to go through situations where we need to use our faith. Let me say that again in English. Let me try it from this side of the pulpit. (laughs) We're going to have to go through situations where we need to use our faith. See, a lot of Christians would like to hide from conflict. Oh, I'm a lover, not a fighter. No. If you love Jesus, you're going to fight the good fight of faith. Okay? A lot of Christians would like to say, well, you know, I don't do conflict. You know, we're just, we're going to leave that to you, pastor. But listen, all of us have to fight the good fight. All of us have to learn to use the shield of faith. Now, a warrior in the day, he would learn to use his shield. And like, they didn't just switch up all the time. They had their own shields. They understood the, the proper grip on it, the weight of it, to the point where they could, it would become part of them. And it had to be. So you and I are going to be, need, need to become familiar enough with using our faith that we're comfortable with it, amen? That when the enemy comes and says, ah, we, we, something rises up within us and the word of God comes out of us and we, we repel the attack with our faith, we got to go through these situations. we got to be battle-hardened. We've got to be proven. You know, a soldier can enlist in the military they can train in the military for decades. They can get all kinds of achievements and qualifications. If you look on a soldier's you know, jacket there, they'll have all their achievements and qualifications, where they've been and whether they're marksmen or not, whether they've got their wings and they've jumped from planes and so all of these things, you can achieve all of that. But with all due respect, there is a difference between a veteran and a combat vet. If you went in the military and you served and you served in peacetime, thank you for your service. But if you went in the military and you served in combat, thank you, thank you, thank you for your service, amen? There's a difference between the two. And, you know, I'm not being disrespectful or anything. I'm trying to make the point that this, Christians who have a lot of theories but no experience on the battlefield are just theorists, there's a lot of people who have theories about faith, who have hypotheses about faith, who, who could tell you, this is the way I think you should run the church, or this is the way I think you should win the lost. And I learned it in a book. Listen to me. I, I'm glad you read your book, but I only take advice from people who are battle-scarred and battle-hardened and, and have actually accomplished something. Come on, put your hands together. I, I like your opinion. I like your theory. But I want to be with the gristled old saint that has been through some battles, Amen. When I need prayer, when I need someone to speak into my life, amen? amen. We, got to, we got too many people who have theories. Oh, I read this book, this Christian book. Man, most Christian books ain't even worth leveling a table with. They need to be proofread, Pastor Mike. I'm telling you, it's some lame theology in those things. And then as a shepherd, my sheep read them and they think they know something. I got to untangle it from the pulpit with 58 sermons before you listen to me. No, it says here, it says here, they're like a big name, their big name, it's so and so. I'll give you so and so. At two thirty in the morning when you're in trouble, call so and so. Well let me get back there, I'm getting too frisky theories on faith and hypotheses on faith, but we got to be in some battles to learn to use our faith, amen? The time when there's sickness in our house or in our body, when there's trouble in our marriages, when our, when our kids are having problems, when, when the doctor says this, come on, where we learn to stand in the gap and have faith and to believe the word of God instead of the report of man, See, and then when you, you come through that thing and you get through that and God proves himself and you learn how the enemy comes at you and, and how to get the word of God in here so it comes out your mouth, that's when you're battle-proven. We gotta go through some stuff. You might be saying, I'm tired of going through stuff. I hear ya. I'm tired too. Sometimes, man, I just wanna just relax. But our enemy is, uh, He's relentless. And if he's not stopping the attack, we can't stop the defense. Thank God that he shelters us under the shadow of his wings. Thank God that he's our refuge and our very present help in times of trouble. But he's asked us to carry a shield, and he's asked us to use our faith. All of us go through trials and tribulations, but not all of us learn the lesson we're supposed to learn in those trials and tribulations. If we don't learn the lesson we needed to learn in the trial, two things happen. Number one, well, the first thing is we got to understand, we didn't understand what the trial was all about. God just doesn't allow us to go through things, so, you know, he's like, well, let's see what Rick can take. You know, and all the angels get popcorn, and they're like, well, this ought to be good. God doesn't just make us jump through hoops because he can The reason we go through trials and tribulations in the first place is because they are the proving grounds of our faith. They are opportunities to develop our faith. Oh, I can't believe what I'm going through again. I'm so discouraged. I'm so disappointed. It's an opportunity. Count yourself blessed that you're worthy to suffer for his name, that you're going through something for righteousness' sake, that it's going to prove and test your faith and bring you to a higher level of spiritual maturity. All of us go through stuff, but not all of us learn what we're supposed to learn when we go through, and that's because we haven't understood that trials are opportunities. Number two, if we don't learn what we need to learn in the, in the trial, we're going to go through it again. Hey, at this stage in my life, Greg, I want to be the one and done guy, amen? One time I want to go through. One, one, I only want one spanking before I learn. Hello? Amen. God ever have to chasten you? God, have to have to give you a spanking, just me and Pastor Mike, the rest of you, know, we're bad, Pastor Mike. That's why he called us. Problem children. I want to just learn my lesson. I want to learn what I'm supposed to learn so I don't have to go through it again. If I'm stubborn or I don't get it or I want to complain my way through, I'll take another lap around the mountain. Got to learn to use that shield of faith that requires us to go through some things. It requires us to learn when we're going through those things so we don't have to go through them again. Let's look at what the shield of faith protects us from. It says here, very plainly, to take up the shield of faith, and then it says, "...with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one." So it's telling us right there what it's going to protect us from primarily the attacks of the enemy that are shot at us spiritually to try and, uh, you know, take our heart away, take our will away, take our faith away, that they are the fiery flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, doesn't that sound exciting this morning? Have you ever felt like you get shot at all day long? People's opinions, things on the news, billboards, you're going down the street, minding your own business, you're driving around, just to people, I mean, it's just all day long. What's that all about? We're under attack, but we've been given a shield of faith to ward off these attacks, and look what it says, flaming arrows, that we're going to be able to extinguish all of them. Thank God he said all of them, amen? Out of 10 arrows, I want none to hit me, Right? because one can be fatal. Now let's look at the, the illustration he used here, the imagery. He uses the imagery of arrows. We talked about those movie scenes we saw where arrows are fired into the air. An arrow might seem like a weak weapon to us these days, but it is a very lethal weapon. The English ruled the battlefield for 1,000 years with the longbow. And these archers were precise in their accuracy, They fired these bows like artillery. They could hit marks at a distance, and they would fire these old English hickory arrows into the air with steel tips on them, and just by the inertia of them going up and down, they had enough kinetic energy to pierce steel armor. Wow. An arrow is still a very lethal weapon today. And God wants us to understand that just because it might seem like a primitive thing it's not a joke. It's lethal. Now, what is it about an arrow? How does an arrow work? Well, it it causes a deep penetration wound, and it kills by exsanguination. What does that mean? It, It makes you bleed to death. Exsanguination means you bleed out. Now, a bullet kills by shock and hemorrhage, but an arrow kills differently. The enemy wants to shoot at us. He wants to penetrate our faith. He wants to bleed us out spiritually, but there's even more if that wasn't bad enough. It says that these arrows are not regular arrows, they are flaming arrows. Now there again, you've seen the movies. They take an arrow, they wrap it with some kind of linen or some kind of cloth, they soak it in an accelerant, they would shoot it into a target and engulf it in flames. (laughs) I got your attention now. The enemy wants to penetrate your faith, he wants to spiritually bleed you out and burn your faith to the ground we're in a battle. It's not a joke. It's very serious. And the empty seats here are proof that he takes out some of his targets. I'm praying God will bring them back. I'm praying God will bring them home. So we learned everything we never wanted to know about arrows. So we can understand the implications here. Now, the arrow attacks we face in life are designed to make us quit. See, this is what this is all about. I want, to, I want to share a truth with you today, and I don't want you ever to forget this. The enemy of your soul can never beat you because God has got you in the palm of his hand. The only thing he could do is make you quit. These arrow attacks, these barrages that come at us, these things that try and penetrate us and burn our faith to the ground, they are designed to make us quit. To quit on God, to quit on ourselves, to quit on our faith, to quit on our kingdom purpose. And the truth is that we live in a quitting generation. And and too many of us are quitters. Now, don't raise your hand, it's not the altar call. But being a quitter is not a good thing. But, you know, a lot of people in our generation don't have much tenacity to put up with too much. We've been too coddled, we've been too comfortable. The shortest Major League Baseball career in history belonged to a Brooklyn Dodger named Harry Hartman. Hartman was a gifted young pitcher. He had pitched his way through the minor leagues. He was called up to pitch his first Major League game for the Pittsburgh Pirates. This was the moment Harry had dreamed of since he was a little boy. His first Major League start. His dreams began to fall apart at the first pitch. His first pitch was not placed correctly, and it was laced for a single into the outfield. The next batter and the next pitch was ripped for a triple. At this point, uh, he was rattled. He walked the next pitcher. He, w- he walked the next batter on four pitches, and then finally gave up another single. And at that point, Hartman had had enough. He d- he took himself out of the game. He walked off the mound. He went into the showers. He left the stadium and went right to the naval recruiting office. He signed up for the Navy. In a week, he was in uniform, and he was never heard from again in Major League Baseball, the shortest career. Now, I don't know much about this guy, but I would like to say, why did you quit so soon? Everybody has a bad day. Everybody has a bad start. There's times every pitcher can't, you know, get their location, their curveball's not. Why did you quit on yourself so soon? You know, and it's a picture of many people in our generation that one thing goes awry or one thing doesn't go their way or the cost just seems a little too high or or we don't want to pay the price anymore. And we quit on God. We quit on ourselves. We quit on our call. And we walk away right back into the world. Don't quit. I don't care what you're going through. Let somebody know we'll come alongside of you. If you can't lift your shield anymore, we'll use ours to shield you. Don't quit on God. Don't quit on your call. Don't quit on yourself. It's a combination of God's grace and God's keeping power and us learning to use our faith as a defensive shield that keeps us from the attack of the enemy. And if we don't learn to protect ourselves, discouragement will get us. If we don't learn to protect ourselves, we will be tempted to quit at times. Amen. (laughs) I just want to cover one last thing here as we close this segment of our series out. What kind of arrows is the enemy firing our way? And I want to identify three types of arrows that are coming our way every day. The first arrows we're going to face every day are these, arrows of doubt and fear. Fear is a big weapon that the enemy uses. Why? Because fear gets us to believe our circumstances rather than the word of God. Fear gets us to put our faith in the things that we can see rather than in the things of God. So the enemy uses fear against us, and all of us deal with fear. All of us. There's not one, well, pastor, certainly you don't have any fears. Yeah, there are fears that I deal with. There are fears that are going to, you know, attack all of us. Here, Here's some examples. People have fears like this, I- I'm not going to make it to heaven. I know about Jesus. I sat in church, but I'm just struggling, and I, I, don't, I don't know where my faith is at, and I'm having real troubles with sin. Pastor, I don't think I'm going to make it to heaven. It's a legitimate fear that all of us struggle with. I'll just be transparent with you. There's times in my walk I didn't know if I was going to go to heaven. <laughs> and you're sitting there thinking, we thought the same thing about you. But it's a legitimate fear. The, 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 the enemy's going to fire our way to get us to doubt the goodness of God. There are fears like, oh, I'm not really saved, or God, God's going to reject me, Pastor. You don't know. This is for everybody else, but not for me. Fears like, are my sins really forgiven? That's well, quiet, because we've all dealt with this stuff. What quenches those arrows, those flaming arrows of fear that the enemy shoots at us. You know, the word of God does because when, when, when we choose to believe that God saved us, that he can keep us, that he's filled us with his Holy Spirit, that we really are saved, that our sins really are forgiven. Come on, that we choose to believe the word of God That God says when we confess our sins, he remembers them no more. As far as the east is from the west, come on, the word of God. What did Jesus do when the enemy tried to tempt him? He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He used this. What's the second kind of arrows that are fired our way? Arrows of deception. The the New Testament constantly warns us of false teachers, false teaching, and bad theology. Every early church that was planted, Pastor Mike, had to go through heresies of false teaching. The enemy would come in and inject some lies and mix it up with some truth and try to get the people to swallow it so that the gospel they believed and preached was no longer the gospel. It was something different. Arrows of deception are deadly arrows. And we believe things that are deceptive. Our generation believes deceptive things about spirituality, like things like, oh, a little sin won't hurt me. God will just, you know, he'll kind of wink at that. When the Bible says the wages of sin are death. God is love. God would never send anyone to hell. Listen, God doesn't send anyone to hell. God has done everything he possibly can to keep all of us from hell. He's given his very best, his only begotten Son, who died on the cross and rose again on the third day and offers eternal life as a free gift to whoever will. If I wind up in hell, if you wind up in hell, it's because I, we've rejected the grace of God and tried to do it another way. Yeah. Huh. Which brings me to another deception. All roads lead to God. Doesn't matter which path you pick, which religious system you pick. All roads lead to God. There's only one God. Well, if that's true, then Jesus is a liar who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. There is no other name under heaven whereby which we have been given that we must be saved. Ha! I'm preaching to Christians here today, right? Oh, I'm a good person. I do good things. God will receive me. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I can't save myself. <laughs> I'm a sinner to the bone, saved by grace, redeemed by the blood of the lamb, made righteous in his sight by the, by the Calvary sacrifice, amen? amen? But in and of myself, I, I, I can't not sin. I can't remedy my sin. I can't make up for my past sin. Arrows of doubt and fear, arrows of deception, And the third type of arrow that's fired at us every day is arrows that inflame. We talked about those flaming arrows. They penetrate and they engulf the target in flame. And these are the flaming arrows that the enemy shoots at us to inflame things in us. Arrows that inflame pride and lust. It goes something like this, you know, the enemy tickles your pride and winds that up and he shoots that arrow and it hits its mark and you say things like, I don't deserve to be treated like that. Who are they think they are talking to me like that? I deserve the best of things. I deserve pleasure. Arrows that inflame lust. I deserve to be happy in my marriage. If this one doesn't make me happy, I'll just throw it away and try and find another candidate. But I deserve to be happy. The enemy is playing with real deadly stuff. It's time that the people of God take up the shield of faith and learn to quench those fiery darts so that we'll be safe under the shadow of his wing. Because if he extinguishes us, he extinguishes the light and darkness engulfs the earth. Let's bow our heads today. Father, I just thank you this morning for A message like this, that's sobering. Thank you for a time in our service where we have expressed repentance. Father, let our repentance not just be superficial, but help each of us to make those adjustments. Repentance doesn't mean just admitting sin. It means turning away from it and going in the opposite direction of it. God, help us to use all the armor but particularly help us to use this shield of faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please you. We want to please you, and we want to be useful in your hands at this time so that we can be light in the darkness for a world that is in such confusion. They need love and truth and redemption that comes from Jesus Christ, and we are your soldiers today. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give him praise today.